start by being honest with ourselves. As a nation, for decades, we were perfectly happy to write off whole neighborhoods, whole cities, whole generations of young men and women. As long as it was an inner city problem, an urban problem, which is to say, a black people problem, a brown people problem. Send them to prison, into a system from which they'll never return. Maybe now, now that it's really come home to roost, now that it's the high school quarterback, your next door neighbor, your son, your daughter, now that grandma's as likely to be a junkie as anybody else, we'll accept that there has never been a real war on drugs. War on drugs implies an us versus them. And all over this part of America, people are learning there is no them. There is only us. And we're going to have to figure this out together. Hello, Baltimore. My name is Tyrone Bost, owner of BPPW Heating and Cooling. And welcome to our show, Call Tyrone. I'm here with my millennial co-hosts, my information in African-American cultural gangsters. <laughs> <laughs> Leroy Myers, graduate uh, student and teaching assistant at the University of Oklahoma. His area of study is the dynamics of the intersection of African-American and Native American history. Say hello, Leroy. Leroy, we got Leroy. Okay, well, he should be coming up then. Leroy, by the way, is in Oklahoma, everybody. So there's people in Oklahoma listening as, as well. We had a few technical difficulties, but I'm sure he'll be here to join us. Okay, and also Zachary Leacock, social media entrepreneur who majored in audio production, radio, TV, and film at Howard University. He's a socially conscious vegan and producer of the Channel 10 podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with pioneering rap artists. Hello, Baltimore. How's it going? Okay. Okay, Baltimore. I hope y'all enjoying the snow. Today, <laughs> while y'all enjoying that snow, we're going to talk about affirmative action. Okay. Which um, a lot of people, there's been some angst about it. A lot of people are calling it reverse discrimination. And even some black people uh, seem to um, be against affirmative action because we're supposed to be in, in a so-called colorblind society. So, <laughs> so we're going to examine, we're going to examine this, this uh, issue. And, and we're going to also talk about some things that uh, our mayor could do and uh, in, in, in certain mayors can do in, in regards to employment in the inner cities, et cetera, um, and solutions to some of our problems and pathologies that affect us in the African-American community. But first, we're going to, um, in case anybody didn't know, um, Bernie Sanders actually visited Sandtown Winchester. Well, I think it was December the 8th or so, something around that, that time frame. Mm -hmm. And uh, here are some of his thoughts on that visit. You not only for being here today, uh, but for the work you're doing every single day uh, for people who are hurting, uh, who are often living in the shadows, and for whom, as a nation, we do not pay much attention to. Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that America is the wealthiest country in the history of the world. But anyone who took the walk that we took, we took around this neighborhood would not think you're in a wealthy nation you would think that you were in a third world country where unemployment is over 50 percent. A community that does not even have decent quality grocery stores where moms can buy quality food for their kids. A community in which the dream of getting a higher education for many kids is as real as is going to the moon. In the United States of America, 37% of African-American children should not be living in poverty. Okay. 
I don't know the last time Hillary Clinton's been to uh, Sandtown, Winchester, but y'all let me know when she gets here, okay? But don't hold your breath. Wait. <laughs> okay. Um, but Bernie Sanders makes a lot of valid points in regards to the amount of poverty in, in uh, Sandtown, Winchester. And I, I'm, I'm kind of concerned that how does he know there's 50% unemployment <laughs> in Sandtown, Winchester, but nobody else, no, none of the leading politicians or or uh, none of the uh, activists I've, I've talked to lately seem to understand that. And, um, and as, again, joblessness breeds violence. Um, uh, 51.8%, according to the Justice Policy Institute, is what the unemployment rate is for, for people 16 to 64 in Sandtown, Winchester. And that 51%, they, if you look at the Great Depression, if anybody knows anything about the Great Depression, you can Google this. The Great Depression, um, the stats were like 25% unemployment. 25 to 30% unemployment. And white folks went buck wild. You had some, you talking about crime in Sandtown, Winchester? You had some of the baddest outlaw gangs, you know, in, in the history of the United States. You had the Pretty Boy Floyd gang. You had the Machine Gun Kelly gang. Mm. You had the Bonnie and Clyde, you know, Barrel gang. You had, oh my God, you had, you had uh, Al Capone. All that stuff happened during the Depression, people, because pe they felt that they had been sold out. And, um, you know, 38% of uh, Americans had lost their farms. Um, during the Great Depression, by the way. And uh, um, uh, Clyde's family, by the way, they slept under a wagon. They went got to Texas, and they had to sleep under a wagon so they could get uh, a shack to live in. So these people felt like nobody gave a, a doggone about them, so they did. They felt like they was doing what they had to do to to uh, survive. You know, So these criminals and outlaws like John Dillinger and, and, and the like became very prevalent, and they were regarded as folk heroes. You know, 40,000 people attended Bonnie's funeral. And, and thousands of people attended uh, John Dillinger's funeral. So <laughs> these people, uh, they were actually um, treated like uh, uh, folk he heroes. But um, 51, we got to do something about that unemployment rate. And there's ways to do it. You can leverage uh, some of these um, uh, these uh, um, tax breaks and all the stuff we're giving to these TIFs and stuff we're giving to these developers and force them to, uh, to pay attention to these communities in, in regards to uh, employment. Now, if I'm unemployed, now I had a job. We had we had good, well, I had a job um, every every summer when I was a kid. Every summer, and 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 by the time I got sixteen, they had a program. It was a part of the CETA program that um, you could go to work after school for three hours and make money. Now some of these politicians and city council and all that they've experienced all that, and they don't seem to think that that would benefit uh, the youth of today for some strange reason. Uh, and they actually been to help their families and everything else, but they seem to have an amnesia about this stuff and don't seem to understand the importance of a uh, summer job. Now, I, I know rec centers are important, and it's great that the city uh, council overrode the mayor's veto uh, for um, recreation centers. But if I was a kid, if I was 16 years old, and you asked me which one I want, a job or a recreation center, guess which one I'm going to say? I'm going to say, I want the daggone job. You know, you know, I go to rec center. I can entertain myself with my money. You know, so... And, or summer job, or Rex said, I would take the summer job. Okay, jobs are important. And when you, when people don't have a job, if I don't have a job, let's say I lose my job. If you have a job, let's say you lose your job. You don't need a damn mentor. You need you need a job. That's what you need. You need a job. Okay? You don't need, okay, a mentor's nice, but you need a job. You need to be making money, people. And if you're used to making money, and you're making good money, you don't, you're not concerned about that. You think that you deserve what you got because you work hard. And that's fine. A lot of people have worked hard. And, 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 and I'm not knocking hard work. And I'm not knocking excellence. We should always strive for excellence. Always. And affirmative action, by the way, is not about giving black people a pass. That's that's the perception that, that, that's been put out there. It's about correcting past deficiencies where where um, blacks weren't allowed a chance or an opportunity. And um, by the way, 
Affirmative action has always been an effect in this country, always been an effect, since forever, since the beginning, uh, 200 or so years ago. But it was in effect for white males, okay? <laughs> white males. It was affirmative action for white males. They got the jobs in, in the contracts. And, and we were excluded and disenfranchised. And um, when we did achieve things like in Rosewood and Tulsa, they would actually come to the cities and, and bomb them and destroy them for the most part. Um, Zachary, did you have something you want to add? Uh, I was just going to say that uh, I remember when I was a teenager and uh, it wasn't a different time. And I remember trying to get a summer job uh, myself and my friends and we would apply for different positions a lot of times months in advance. And um, it was a difficult process and it never proved to be fruitful. So we just kind of got frustrated and we would give up. And a lot of my friends end up get, uh, getting into trouble those summers. So, um, you know, I definitely recognize the importance of the uh, summer jobs. And um, I see an article here uh, from uh, Biz Journals um, about Baltimore's Youth Work Summer Employment Program. Um, and the the um, applications uh, have gone up a lot. Um, now, there's a spike in registrations that have uh that have uh, occurred uh, since the officials made the expansion after the uh, riots from Freddie Gray in April. Um, so they expanded the position from or by nearly 3000 jobs, uh, upping the total to uh, 8000 jobs. And there has been a lot of interest uh, even months in advance before the summer. So there is a perception that the youth don't want to work. Uh, that's not the case. People totally are nonsense. trying to get a job. It's totally nonsense. Yeah. Well, and, and, go ahead, Leroy. Yeah, and you know, um, you know, piggy piggybacking off of what uh, what Zach just said, um, I also remember um, trying to get a job about two summers in a row uh, through YouthWorks. Um, it was like a really weird, grueling process, uh, pretty unprofessional um, in certain respects. In that, me and my friends, we called up there numerous times, you know, throughout the week, all throughout the summer. No one, either no one would answer the phone, or no one would really give us any um, any answers to our questions, and. We, too, ended up, you know, for many summers at a time going without a job and not having too much to do. And uh, my friends would get in trouble, and I would just have to find something else to do, maybe hang out um, at the rec center uh, throughout uh, throughout the summer because I didn't, I couldn't get a job. But if you had a choice between a job and a rec center, which one would you take? Oh, a job? I was joking, man. <laughs> okay, now, people, look, people, this is common sense. I don't, like I said, these got these people down in, in uh, City Hall. Even something wrong, Blake says she had a, a summer job. Right. And they don't, they forget, they got selective amnesia. They forget that these jobs are very important to our youth. They need to be working. You're 16 years old, you need to work. When I turned 14, I was thinking about finding a job. I was thinking about hanging on a rec center. I was thinking about giving me a job, and I found one. And now that I think of it, the only people who I do remember, um, or the majority of people who were able to get a job, it was because their parents were um, in some type of position of Connected. like being a manager or a boss at a certain place. <laughs> and so, oh, it's, it's, you know, it was basically like a thing of nepotism. But unfortunately, uh, you know, we don't necessarily always have that Um so, you know, to rely on. Um, so that, you know, puts us at a disadvantage right there, which is uh, why certain things like affirmative action have been put into place, because, you know, um, given our history, we don't necessarily have that longevity um, when it comes to having uh, parents in places of employment, uh, you know, over time uh, that can, you know, and pass down the benefits. Right. And devices like nephewism, which a lot of a lot of uh, white folks, and I'm not hating on white people, you know, they're doing what people do. They, right. they have relatives in the business and they that gives them a leg up on other people, other candidates for the job. 
So, um, and, and by the way, 51% unemployment is double the rate for the, <laughs> for the Great Depression, okay? Double. And you, you and people wonder why this guy got crime in Sandtown, Winchester. Hey, it don't take a rocket science to figure that out. City Council, if you're listening, it really don't take a rocket science to figure this stuff out. It's very, very simplistic. Joblessness breeds violence and crime, okay? And then, and then when you get out, to make it worse, when you get out of prison, and you're branded as a criminal. When you go to get a job, you got to wear a sign around your neck saying, hey, don't hire me. I'm a felon, you know. And then you think about that when you lose your job. You think about if you had to do that, wear that sign around your neck. Okay. The signs are invisible, but you, they're, they're on that box that you check when you go to get employment. Um, so yeah, we got we got to do better, people. We got to do better in regards to employment. We expect the violence to go down in places like Santan, Winchester, and places all over the world. And, again, I think we need a Marshall Plan to put people back to work instead of incarcerating them. We ought to give them a choice to take work and say, look, you're going to work this job. It pays a living wage, and um, you're going to work this job, and you're going to be on, on work, to work on time. You're going to be here every day. Or you're going to jail, you're going to do your time. Okay? Give people, give people a choice. They used to do that with Vietnam, by the way. They used to give people a choice of, of, uh, of uh, going, you know, going to jail in Vietnam. And a lot of people took it. And some of them, actually, the ones that lived, actually, uh, or wasn't gravely wounded or screwed up in the head, they actually um, improved their uh, their um life's outlook in many ways um now what we're going to do we're going to segue over to affirmative action and um we're going to talk about some of the myths of affirmative action now i think to be fair we have to acknowledge that poor and working class whites really had their world rocked by the civil rights movement you know, wealthy whites could send their kids to private schools, give their kids all of the advantages that wealth has to offer. But poor and working class whites, many of whom were themselves struggling for survival, many of whom in the South were themselves illiterate, they faced a social demotion. It was their kids that might get bussed across town to go to a school that they believed was inferior. It was their kids and themselves who were suddenly forced to compete on equal terms for limited jobs with this whole new group of people they've been taught their whole lives to believe were inferior to them. And then, to make matters worse from their perspective, affirmative action programs created the perception that black folks were now leapfrogging over them on their way to Stanford, Yale, Harvard, University of Chicago. <laughs> and off to corporate America. And this state of affairs created an enormous amount of fear, anger, resentment, anxiety, but it also created an enormous political opportunity. Pollsters and political strategists found that thinly veiled promises to get tough on them, a group not so subtly defined by race, could be enormously successful in persuading poor and working class whites to defect from the Democratic New Deal coalition and join the Republican Party in droves. It was part of the effort to flip the South from blue to red with coded racial rhetoric and getting tough on crime and, and welfare. In the words of H.R. Haldeman, President Richard Nixon's former chief of staff, he described the strategy this way, quote, the whole problem is really the blacks. The key is to devise a system that recognizes this while not appearing to. Well, they did. Okay, that was Michelle Alexander, author of 
the uh, book, The New Jim Crow, Mass Incarceration in the Age of Colorblindness. Um, she's, she's a brilliant lawyer. She's a civil rights lawyer. And uh, she's been, actually been working uh, to, on the, uh, what she calls as one of the greatest civil rights crises of our age is mass incarceration. Um, and uh, some people debate that, but I, I don't because um, it's actually disenfranchised a lot of people. And all you got to do is look at uh, places like Sandtown and Winchester, and a lot of those people are disenfranchised from work, et cetera, because of uh, things like zero tolerance of policing and arrest records and the like. And that is the reason for a lot of that. And it starts at the prison gate. Um, so uh, right now, we, we do have some affirmative action is kind of like on life support. <laughs> By the way, in case you've been living under, um, in a cave, uh, Justice Kalila just just uh, passed on, and uh, I kind of I was when 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 Obama came out to uh, announce the passing, it didn't seem like he was um, you know uh, distraught or anything. He didn't even have a tie on when he made the announcement. So, and that's one of the few times I've seen <laughs> President Obama make a a uh, formal announcement without a tie on. <laughs> You know, so I don't know if that was symbolic or or what. If you just wipe the sleep, oh, I got to wake up and announce this. But um, if if you don't know, Scalia was one of the most uh, conservative judges on the court, and he he actually um, um, said that torture wasn't addressed by the Constitution. So he actually supported things like torture, not so much support tor- supported it, but said that the Constitution doesn't doesn't address it. So you know, what's the problem? So he said that uh, legislators and uh, Congress need to address that. Mm. Um, so, so, but uh, he was, he was, and by the way, Clarence Thomas actually voted uh, with uh, uh, Scalia in just about every, everything he voted for. So he's, he's a waste too. We, we, um, and, and, and I hate to, uh, like I said, I hate to wish ill will on anyone, but I wasn't I wasn't crying when I heard the news that Scalia had died. I'm be honest with you. I, I, and that's very I mean he seemed to be a very wicked man from what I could tell. And some of the things that he would come up with when and, uh, and by the way we're taking calls too. The number if you want to make a call and we want to hear your voices and we want your um ideas expressed. We want to hear what your ideas are. The number is 410-481-1010. 410-481-1010. Okay, if you want to make a call, please please feel free to call in. And we do want to hear you express your views. Um, but uh, affirmative, do we, do we have the other uh, affirmative action clip? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, let's 1990s, you know, the much heralded, you know, economic boom of the Clinton years. African-American men were the only group that experienced a steep increase in joblessness, a development directly traceable to their rapid inclusion in the criminal justice system. <laughs> You know, during the 1990s, kind of the best of times for the rest of America, the unemployment rate for non-college black men was 42%. Affirmative action, though, has kind of put a happy face on this racial reality. You know, seeing black people graduate from Harvard and Yale and become CEOs, corporate lawyers, not to mention President of the United States, you know, kind of causes us all to marvel, like, oh, what a long way we have come. But recent data shows that much of black progress is actually a myth. In many respects, African Americans as a group are doing no better off than when Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated and uprisings swept inner city communities across America. 
the black poverty rate today is about the same as it was back then. Nearly one quarter of African Americans live below the poverty line today. The black child poverty rate is actually higher today than it was in 1968. And unemployment rates in the African American community, they, they rival those in third world countries, right? And that's with affirmative action. So when we kind of pull back the curtain and take a look at what our so-called colorblind society creates without affirmative action, I think what we see is a familiar social, economic, and political structure. It's the structure of racial caste. And the entrance into this new caste system, I believe, can be found at the prison gate. So what do we do? <laughs> you know, where do we go from here? Um, I spend the last chapter of my book exploring this question in some depth. Um, what's clear, I think, though, is that those of us in the civil rights community, we've allowed a human rights nightmare to occur on our watch. You know, while many of us have been defending affirmative action and trying to hold on to the gains of the past, millions, millions of people have been rounded up for relatively minor crimes, branded felons, and then released into a parallel social universe in which they are denied the same rights that our parents and grandparents fought for and some died for. That's the reality. Okay, again, that was uh, Michelle Alexander, author of the book, The New Jim Crow, uh, Mass Incarceration in the Age of Colorblindness. I recommend you to you, if you are any activist or any type of person that's empowered to, to approach this problem, please get that book and read it from cover to cover. She's done all the research for you, and all you got to do is read, be silent, and listen to the research. It's factual. Uh, okay, we got some callers, and we're going to we're gonna oh. bring more. Okay, first up, we're going to go to Ock on line one. Ock, how are you doing today? All right, how you brothers doing? doing all right, Ock, right. how's it going right. there, buddy? Yeah, that's a great book, great book. Should be mandatory reading for all of us. Right. They should teach in high school. Not only that, Ock, I think that they should, uh, when, they, when Obama nominates a Supreme Court justice, it should be Michelle Alexander. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go right there. Listen, uh, white folk had affirmative action ever since they stole this country. And if you know your history, in the 1900s, the federal government gave white folk free land. They had free land and free black labor to work the free land. Absolutely. Dr. Uh, King spoke about that in one of his speeches, by the way. And he, yeah. he explained how, how when we were released from slavery, we didn't get those benefits. And we were actually released in the famine. And he, it, was, it was remarkable that we even survived. And we had people like Booker T. Washington, who when he was a kid, he worked in a, um, salt mines. As, at nine years old, working in a salt mine. And he, when he went to school, you know, he tried to work at school. He got a four in the morning so he could do the salt mine thing and the school thing and get his education. And that man was brilliant. He was a genius. Yeah. Go ahead, yeah, I'm sorry. You should, yeah, you should get more dirt on that pig that just died in that white supremacy court. You have a good one, brother. <laughs> All right, thank yeah, you for calling thank it Thank you out. so much. He always has some good to say. Go ahead. Okay, next up on the line, we have Mel. How's it going, Mel? Mel? Hello, Mel. Are you with us? Mel, you sleeping? Okay. okay let's move looks on. Like Mel isn't on the line. Uh, line three, we have Kenneth. How's it going, Kenneth? Hey, hey how's Kenneth. How's it going, everybody? I feel fantastic, right. Kenneth. How about yourself? How you feel, buddy? I feel pretty good. Um, just wanted to talk about uh, two quick points. One on um, affirmative action. First of all, I think that the name itself is a misnomer because what you're talking about 
they call it affirmative action as though we're doing something when all they're doing is we're stopping people from doing stuff to us mm. and it's more of an affirmative opportunity um, being in the engineering field I know that there's a lot of folks that sometimes my older white colleagues will they'll um, rumble and whisper and say things that hint that affirmative action has given somebody an opportunity that they didn't deserve where affirmative action all that does is say that if you have a black candidate you should look at them if they are qualified that's what it's doing It's giving you an opportunity to compete whereas a lot of times if your name was Tyrone they would <laughs> your resume good point even looking at your qualifications and I am affirmative action baby by the way I wouldn't I wouldn't have achieved as much as I have in life go ahead I'm sorry Clarence Thomas wouldn't have either and no 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 matter of fact Kenneth one of Clarence, uh, Clarence Thomas's biographer, uh, somebody's writing a book about Clarence Thomas, and he knew Clarence Thomas. He said Clarence Thomas never had a job that he didn't get because he was black. And he's actually pulled the ladder up behind him, and he's he's voted against any type of human rights issue that came against the Supreme Court. He voted he votes with Scalia on every issue. Now I don't know who's compare it now. The man's dead. But go ahead, Kevin. I'm sorry. So I know, the other point I wanted to make is that uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, like everybody else, uh, at first I was listening to Trump and I was laughing because he was pretty funny. Um, but given that we just had a Democratic president for, you know, two terms, right. and the way that the history works with yep. uh, Go ahead. going down the path of having two terms and then you get a Republican yep. uh, president, ain't nothing to laugh about. there's a possibility that we might have a President Trump in the um, White House. And as laughable as that might sound to me, one of the things that I was wholly frightened by is that when you talk about the potential of four years of a Republican president, that's bad enough. But then when you talk about the possibility that these justices are at the end of their careers and likely would start dying, this was before Scalia died. Right. You're talking about 20 years or so of having the influence of someone like a Trump on the country because he would get to nominate the next president. So I'm not saying that I'm happy that Scalia died. That's not the word I would use. But, I mean, with the possibility of us not having a Democratic president, um, there to pick the next, the next uh, Supreme Court justice. Uh, the fact that Scalia has passed on at this time, the fact that Obama will at least get to name someone. I, I know it's going to be a problem with them getting through with the way the Republicans are going to try to obstruct everything he's doing. But, right, I mean, right. The Republicans, you know, Kev, the Republicans, timing, you know, Kev, the Republicans actually, what they're already saying that they're going to try to delay an appointment by Obama until the next president. Yeah. And um, you know that that you know the person is so good, but. That. There's a section of the Constitution that allows the president to actually appoint um, uh, Supreme Court justice when Congress recesses. So I hope, knowing Obama the way I think I know him, I think he's man enough to do that. Especially now, since he's got nothing to lose now. <laughs> Absolutely. I know I would do it. Okay, go ahead. Uh, next call. We got to move on, buddy. Thanks for calling. Okay, next up we have Leo. How's it going, Leo? Yeah, good evening, Brother Tyrone. Good evening, Leo. How you doing there, buddy? Oh, I'm doing great, everybody. What you know good? Well, a, a couple of things. Uh, the, the Legislative Caucus, the Congressional Black Caucus, ought to have issued a resolution by now. They can't pass a law as a caucus, but the resolution demanding that the governor of uh, Michigan, Governor Snyder, be subpoenaed, to come before the Congress, because this man, I don't understand with regard to Flint, Michigan, how he has escaped being subpoenaed to come before the Congress on a matter of genocide where <laughs> the poor and black folks are well, you <laughs> and, 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 and I don't understand the lack of courage on the part of 
Elijah Cummings and other people uh, Black Caucus, Leo. Of, of, of that caucus right. to stand up for the right thing for the right reasons. Now, uh, I would like to see, uh, and I don't know what the future holds, but uh, I'd like to see Clarence Thomas marry Stephanie Rawlins-Blake. I think <laughs> they'd make a perfect couple. She has a law degree, and she's the one who is obstructing justice with regard to Paul Graziano. She says she's not going to fire him. She don't care how bad he is because he's a, he's a friend of hers. And, you know, this is outrageous. Paul Graziano is the administrator of concentration camps in, in Baltimore City, and they call them public housing. And he's done all kinds of wicked things, and yet we don't have a city council resolution demanding that he be fired. And, and, and I frankly don't understand it. We've got Elizabeth Embry running. She's a millionaire. David uh, Warnock is a multimillionaire. Who is buying, and I don't know, but who's buying these candidates for mayor? I mean, how many candidates? Will we have 30 or we got 29? I think that's 29. It's 29. Yeah, uh, Leo. It's 29. Leo, you have to conclude because we're going to go to the half, and then we got a commercial uh, break yeah, coming Yeah, you got up. all these people running, and, uh, and they don't know a damn thing about being mayor or what to do or how to do it. And I don't want Bill Clinton back in the White House. <laughs> I don't want him back there because Monica Lewinsky is going to come with us. <laughs> all right, Leo. Leo, I appreciate what you're saying, buddy, but we got to go to the half. I don't want it. All right. Thanks for calling. Thank you so much. We're going call, to go to the call half. Back. And, uh, and then, Mel, you're up after the half. Uh, let's go to the uh, halfway point. <laughs> did your air conditioning go bust this summer? Or do you need a new furnace for the coming winter? I think you better call Tyrone. Those other companies tried to reduce my family's bank account to zero. But when we called Tyrone, he became our hero. Hello, this is Tyrone, owner of BPPW, telling you don't be overcharged for your air conditioning and heating installations. BPPW can install a new furnace, heat pump, or air conditioning system at very reasonable rates. Don't wait until icicles are hanging off your nose this winter. Call BPPW now at 410-978-6889. We currently offer a 10-year warranty on parts and labor and a lifetime warranty on compressors for air conditioning and heat pump installations. You may qualify for a 30% tax rebate on some installations. So, before you go with the other guys, call Tyrone now at 410-978-6889. Yeah, that was what that was that commercial dealt with one of the best companies on the East Coast. Well, actually, the best company in the world. Okay, so <laughs> don't forget to call BBBW <laughs> for all your heating good needs. <laughs> but uh, let me get I, I digress. Um, let me before we get the mail, mm-hmm. let me say something real quick. Affirmative action is 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 not just for black people. Okay, it's for minorities. Okay, it's for minorities, and and, and white women have benefited most. Who are the um, majority population, by the way? White women have uh, benefited the most from affirmative action. Unless uh, anybody uh, think that people are taking advantage of anything. And um, in case you didn't know, as I said, uh, affirmative action is on uh, life support. There's a case before the Supreme Court. It's been heard already, but it hasn't been decided. It's Fisher versus the University of Texas. And uh, this woman, they're considering race and emissions of the bottom 20%. But race is not the only thing they consider. They're considering things like uh, um, um, disadvantages like income, you know, poverty and, and you know, things of that nature and, and where you come from and how you add to the curriculum. So 
So race is not the only thing, but this woman doesn't want race to be considered at all. And um, this will not just affect education. It'll affect, don't, don't, don't be misled. This, is, this will not only just affect education. President, in this case, will affect uh, hiring. It'll, it'll affect contracting and et cetera. So, and uh, also going back to Justice Scalia, um, in regards to the University of Texas, uh, he uh, uh, most recently was famous for this quote. Uh, he said, there are those who contend that it does not benefit African-Americans to get them into the University of Texas where they do not do well, as opposed to have them go to a less advanced school, a less slower track school where they do well. And when I first heard that, um, it really upset me because here it is here in 2016. Uh, we're still in a situation where um, it's seen that we need to go to slower, lesser track schools um, when, you know, Originally, the only reason why we couldn't get into the mainstream schools was the Jim Crow laws. Um, and it was actually affirmative action, which is the reason why uh, uh, black people were able to go to certain institutions in the first place. Um, and, you know, now a lot of schools have these diversity um, initiatives um, and it, you know, benefits white people to be able to see well, uh, black people in that right. light as well. Let me let me break that down to you. What, what Scalia was saying, let's just be real. What he was saying was. Um, black people are just too damn dumb to be going to these schools. So <laughs> right. why bother waste a bunch of time, you know, send them to these schools where they, where we can send them to some dumb schools and then they they do better because intellectually yeah. you're not the uh, equal white people. That's basically what you're yeah. saying. Let's just cut to let's just cut right. to the chase. I'm sorry. Go ahead, uh, Leroy. Yeah, you know, um, and you know, for for whatever reason, when I when I first heard about that quote, um, I couldn't help but thinking that maybe he essentially uh, meant uh, blacks just staying in HBCUs and you know just kind of segregating ourselves from, I guess, these predominantly white institutions. But I'm also, you know, even with, with him saying that, what about the white students who go in um, and, you alumni. know. Alumni. Yeah, alumni. Uh, yeah, alumni. And, you know, the, and, and, and incoming white students who go to these predominantly white institutions and they're in over the heads, you know, I mean, I, I see it quite a bit that, it, that you know, for a lot of white students, a lot of these things are too fast-paced for them as well. How about that? Mm. And then uh, we don't hear anything about that, do we, uh, Leroy? But but um, don't, but I see it every day. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, Leroy is attending the uh, uh, University of Oklahoma where he teaches. By the way, uh, he's got he's working on his uh, PhD. Okay, so next up we have uh, Mel on line one. Uh, Mel, how's it going? It's going good. How are you? Are we doing all right? All right, Mel. How's it going? Good, good. Yeah. Um, uh, good afternoon. Uh, I'm Actually, the gentleman just picked exactly what I was going to comment about about us about a month ago when he talked about the University of Texas and that we, not, even our scientists was too dumb to actually uh, do well at a uh, kind of a good school. I mean, and let me, <laughs> and let, me yeah. let me put this in context. You got some of our greatest scientists. Let's say in uh, 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 our intellectuals, uh, Booker T. Washington uh, was born and was born a slave. Okay, uh, uh, yeah. um, uh, Douglas, Frederick Douglas was born a slave, mm -hmm. and he was right. one of the greatest orators this country has ever seen. And he, they say he's yeah. probably a better orator than Dr. King, but you, they don't have any records of his voice. So he's, Dr. Neil Tyson, Dr. Neil Tyson. Yeah, Tyson. Yeah, right. And, and, George Washington Carver was born a slave. They self, yeah. These are self-taught people. They built institutions and, and yeah. advanced science. Yeah, okay. you know who, who he, I didn't mean to interrupt, you know who he's exactly like? He is what, in today, what, 
Judge Tanny was in right, 1857. Right. Absolutely. When, when he told Dred Scott that he was three fifths of a human being, Chattel, Chattel personnel, and he couldn't make any rule or any law that a white man has to listen to. Right, right. Mm-hmm. He, well, yeah. well, what Judge Tanny didn't say he was three fifths of a man. What he said, you were correct the second statement you said, what he said was that the black man has no rights that a white man need respect. And um, correct, that was correct. his, that was his, uh, his um, when they sent Dred Scott back to slavery, that was his... Uh, his um, statement to go along with that. But it was repealed by the 14th Amendment. So it's, right. it's but, not long in the when, Go ahead. He when, should have said it. Yeah, when Anton Scalari made that comment about a university of right, Texas and Blackpool, it was basically the same thing. Excellent, excellent analogy. Excellent um, contemporary analogy. Yeah, you're right. It's uh-huh. basically the same same issue. Yeah, um, the same thing. And, and as, as far as my girl, Michelle Alexander, she's a genius. And I agree with the one call who said it should be mandatory reading for us. It should be mandatory. mandatory reading. And a lot of people say, well, if black people stop reverend committing all these crimes, it would be, you know, plus black people saying this stuff. They're so ignorant. And if they did their research, <laughs> if they did their research, they would understand that whites uh, um, use drugs at 10 times the rate of blacks, just by sheer numbers. They're, they're 70% yeah. of the population. We're only 12% like my, of the population. Like, and they, like they, my, and we're, we're, let, me, let me finish. They use drugs at 10 times the rate of African Americans. Yes. And we're, we're prosecuted five times as much as them. Oh, so yeah, it's not yeah. even fair. And, and, we, and uh, let me finish. Two-thirds of the crack users are white. And 80% mm-hmm. of people prosecuted for crack are black people. So it's not mm-hmm. even fair. If you want to lock somebody up, fine. Lock up everybody then. And then you're going to do right. something about the problem. But just like right. black people and treating black people worse than you would treat somebody else, that's not fair. No, they shouldn't smoke yeah. crack. No, you shouldn't commit crime. I'm against crime. Yeah. I think you should be punished for your crimes. Yeah, it, but it, at the it, same it, time, once you release mm-hmm. and do, after you serve your time, then you should be, you know, be able to rehabilitate yourself. It should be held against you for the rest of your freaking life because you, you had know, a reefer in your part car. Of the plan. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's part of the plan. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't happen arbitrarily. That's part of the plan. You know? Absolutely. It was designed like that. It's not an accident, you know? No, it's not an it's accident. Like and then I get angry when I hear it. And then when I hear black people say some of the most ignorant things without doing any research, you know, it, it, you know, it, just, it just pains me. It just pains me. Well, that's why Malcolm X says, who taught us to hate ourselves, you know? Yeah, and, and and that's why we make progress individually, but not collectively as a group. You know, we have a black president, we got black people in good places, but we don't have a collective group uh, of successful black yeah. people like every race there is. We have, we have. You're right. We have black faces in high places, and, we, and the thinking is we've been convinced that if we just have a black mayor, or if we just have a black, <laughs> you know, police commissioner, police brutality going to stop. But what happens is these people get co-opted, and it's the system that needs to change. I don't hate white people. I hate the system of oppression. Okay, nobody, nobody's saying that we hate white. People. We don't. So don't get it. Don't get it twisted, people. What we, what we're, what we're against is the system of oppression that that and white supremacy that we're that we're against. I'm yep. sorry. Next caller. I, you, All right. Thanks. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Uh, next up on the line, we have Charles. Go ahead, Charles. Hello. Hey, how's it going, there, Charles? Wonderful. Hey, look. We are so we are so messed up as a people. And it's ironic that we are we still surviving. I'm saying I believe in the black God. I, I pray to my God to destroy and exterminate all white people. Okay, thank uh, you so much for your for your comments. Again, shows. again, this pro, this 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 broadcast is not about hating anybody. I don't look. I don't hate anybody. I don't profess to want to exterminate anybody. You know that's not going to get us anywhere. It's, it's counterproductive. The hatred of other people, and what you're doing is you becoming what you do, what you hate. You're becoming actually what you hate, and the only thing hate will do is consume you. You know, you know, just just 
If somebody takes something from you, just saying, I hate that. I hate that person. That's not going to get your stuff back. You know, no. that's not going to solve your problem. Okay, you hate him. Okay, you, mm-hmm. oh, all right, you still got your stuff. It's not a rational solution. And uh, going back to uh, crime and violence uh, that you were speaking of um, on a previous episode, uh, we spoke about investment in communities such as um, Sandtown, Winchester versus investment in in the downtown area. And when you say that unemployment uh, breeds violence, uh, when you look at where the investment dollars are that are coming into this city, uh, you can kind of see where um, more opportunities are for, uh, you know, various negative things to happen. And so um, there there are a variety of issues, uh, one including the investment of uh, funds into the city. Okay, I see we got a call, but just hold on a minute. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about Maynard Jackson, because a lot of people think that this is insurmountable. Okay, Maynard Jackson was the first mayor of Atlanta. Okay, he took the, um, he empowered a lot of black people in Atlanta and made a lot of black billionaires in Atlanta. And by giving, make sure these contracts were fairly um, given out when they were, when they were, um, when these contracts were given out. These are government contracts, contracts that the uh, citizens um, are paying with their tax dollars. So he made sure the citizens, tax-paying citizens of, of, uh, of uh, Atlanta actually benefited from those, those, uh, those uh, con- these monies, their tax dollars. And what he did was he took, they, they had like a less than 1% participation of African Americans. And he stood up and he, made, he raised that rate up to 35%, a 35% participation rate. And, and uh, he still remembers one of the greatest mayors they ever had. And Marion Barry, another, another outside, and don't get me wrong, outside of D.C., people, outsiders of D.C. don't understand Marion Barry. But Marion Barry, who was a member of a SNCC, by the way, he also organized a lot of protests on the civil rights movement. So he does have a civil rights uh, legacy um, and pedigree. Um, he... When D.C. first became, um, um, when they, the first mayor of D.C. was appointed by President Johnson, he pushed a bill through Congress because D.C. used to be co- controlled by the Dixiecrats, Southern race, uh, segregationists and racists. They actually controlled D.C. and then through a committee in Congress. And so D.C. was agitating for home rule. So the first step was for Johnson to appoint, you know, a mayor. And, and one, the guy, I think the guy's name was McMillan. He was a segregationist. He wanted... He was the head of the committee on D.C. He wanted him to appoint a white man as the mayor. And uh, Johnson decided not to. Uh, he appointed uh, a black guy. President Johnson appointed a black guy, a guy named Washington, to, to be the first mayor of uh, D.C. And McMillan was so mad that he sent a truckload of watermelons, you know, to, uh, to Johnson to, to uh, protest his uh, submittal of his first budget. So that's how, you know, that's what led to one of the things that led to the Dixiecrats um, going into the Republican Party or, or uh, abandoning the uh, Democratic Party and going over to the Republican side. Things like that. Uh, the civil rights. Uh, because of, D.C. was actually run as a uh, plantation by the whites. They made sure all, of, all the contracts went to white people. And all the, um, and I'm not making this up. You can, you can do the research. They, they, they made sure that all the contracts and all the jobs went to white people. And the blacks were totally disenfranchised. You, you know, it was a majority Black city for years. And so when Barry came, the second election, Barry ran and won in 1978. And um, um, and when Barry came in there, he took charge. And he actually, um, a lot, thousands, he was responsible, thousands of people in D.C. owed Barry their jobs. They, the only reason they had a job was because of Marion Barry. Thousands of people in D.C. For the first time, they were given government jobs and government positions. And Marion Barry had a program that every, every 
child in D.C. that wanted a job, a summer job, could get one. Okay, and they still, to this day, they got a program called the Marionbury Summer Job Program. And it's named after him. And it was launched in 2015, by the way. And that, that you know, that's a high um, hurdle to, to, to meet as far as uh, measuring up to Marion Barry. A lot of people outside of D.C. don't get it. But when I was working in D.C., you couldn't say nothing bad about Marion Barry to a black person when I worked there because I worked there for a few years. And um, that's why he was able to come out of jail, out of prison. <laughs> he went to prison for crack, okay, but he did that to himself. He came out of prison for crack, and he's still able to get elected in 1994 as mayor. And that's almost an impossibility for anybody else in this country. Okay, you can get a call. Okay, next up we have Sheila on the line. How's it going, Sheila? Okay, and yourself. Hello to both of you. But, um, you know, I, uh, I'm sorry for the death of uh, Chief Judge Scalia, but the timing couldn't be any oh. better. The timing couldn't be better. Sheila! And the reason why I'm saying Sheila. is I'm going back to the letter Loretta I'm looking right, though, I'm back not. to Loretta Lynch and what happened in her situation, mm. 130 days had passed since President Obama submitted her nomination. Right, right. 600 written questions had been asked of and answered by her committee. 20 days had passed since the date she was supposed to be confirmed. So she waited longer than any attorney general in the past 30, 30 years. So I say that to say with him getting ready to choose someone he he better do it quick because the way they held up Loretta Lynch, just think, this is a lifetime job, a yep. much more important position. The closest thing to being a king in the United States is is the uh, Supreme Court justice because they can't fire you, and then you have a job for life, mm -hmm. and you get to impact laws that'll last for centuries potentially. Right. So you see where I'm going at with right, it. and in then terms that, of the timing. Yeah, and I hate to say that somebody got struck down by God, but. I, you know, I'm not going to put that out there. That I ain't say that. <laughs> I ain't say that. I'm not going to say that. I didn't say that. <laughs> but sometimes you get too big for your own britches. And that, that man, I mean, some of the things he would say was just so wicked. I mean, you know, uh, saying torture is okay. I mean, I can't, I can't get with that. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I got to call it what it is. But they have the ability to uphold and prolong a yep. confirmation. And Correct. I'm just letting you know what, he, what they did with Loretta Lynch. Oh, I, I know. I know what they're going to try to do. They're going to try to be. But the, the the only thing we got in our corner is, and I forget the I forget the section. I wish somebody call in. There's a section of the Constitution that allows the president to actually appoint a Supreme Court uh, a, a Supreme Court justice during a recess of Congress if they if if they've been dragging out things like you said if they is they, if they have a history of dragging out these nominations. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm pretty sure Obama is going to if if I know him the way I, I think I know his, his actions. Now, now check I think he's going to do wasn't, that. He wasn't considered lame duck then at the time of Loretta Lynch. No, no, he wasn't. And they oh. still were trying to be obstructive. Mm -hmm. So I, I get what you're saying. But but um, she did get confirmed, though, right? Yeah, she got confirmed. Yeah, okay. So there you go. He was he was very, he still shows uh, tenacity mm -hmm. in that issue. And, and that's I'm what I'm saying. He doesn't give up. And then he, he got up to, what, January the 20th, 2017? Right, right. He got so, what he wanted, though. So by it, this happening now, he got some time, see? Yeah, yeah, and I appreciate that. I, like you said, I appreciate the timing. It's like I don't wish nobody to die, but right. you know, hey, you know what? The timing, you know, right? And affirmative action been at a better time, could it? Yeah, about it. because affirmative action is about to die, <laughs> and that ain't much. It ain't much to that to begin with. But that's the only bone we got right now. Right. You 
Thank I'm you for th- listening. Take my call. All right. Thank you for your call. Call back. All right. Okay. Good comments. Okay. Thank you so much for your call. And if you want to call in, you can reach us at 410-481-1010. And uh, you can also reach out to us on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash call Tyrone show. Listen to past episodes at soundcloud.com slash call Tyrone show. And reach out to us on Facebook at call Tyrone show as well. And speaking of what, um, and speaking of what, uh, uh, Scalia was saying about black people too dumb to go to these, 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 uh, Colleges, Ivy League colleges and whatnot. Um, <laughs> Maynard Jackson, the the mayor I talked about of uh, of uh, Atlanta, Atlanta, he went to uh, Morehouse College at the age of fourteen. All right, <laughs> at the age of fourteen, and Dr. King, by the way, went at the age of fifteen. So if that if that's any, we do have geniuses, you know, out here. So don't think that black people can't compete on a level with uh, white folks in any industry. Go ahead, Zach, uh, caller. Uh, yes, uh, we have a caller coming through on line one. Uh, caller, you're on the air. How's it going? Hello. Hello, yeah. Tyson. Uh, yeah, I was saying um, the whole issue with uh, opportunities for our youth. I know my son tried to get a job about two or three years ago, and he was he was so happy that he was about to get his first job and went down to the War Memorial building, and they just turned him away. Hey, Tyson. And, um, I just want to know Tyson. Like, from our city council and from our mayors like what is the problem that all of these kids have been denied opportunities because they out here right now they they using drugs at an earlier age they're selling so, drugs and, um, too because they I don't know, have any other options to make money they're trying to make money just yeah. like just like and anybody want to make money Baltimore, we have and i'm a not center right down the street on madison street that hasn't been opened up forever my father lives in Sedonia. It's a it's a it's a um, recreation center out there. They started working on it and they stopped it. I mean, there's no outlets for them to go to no more. And the Idle Mind uh, is a playground for the devil, like the song goes. Yeah, definitely. But Tyson, the next time you see your congressperson or somebody run for mayor, you shake them and tell them that we need jobs out here. You know, Honestly, I don't really don't, don't want to tell it. them anything. I want to overturn the whole system. <laughs> I don't think none of them need to be in there anymore. None of those city council people, they all need to be they all need to be wiped out. I believe in term limits. I believe in term limits. I believe in term limits, Tyson. You know, I believe mm-hmm. in term I believe in term limits. I believe it's good enough for the governor and the president of the United States is good enough for them. Because those people they get in there and they get bought out and they get they sell us out in return. And yeah, uh, they sometimes they're too comfortable in these seats. I want you to come in there, save the world, and get the hell out of there and go about your business and live under the laws that you enacted. I'm trying to tell you, if Trump got elected, we might have to pick oh, a new country. Oh, we might have to pick some cotton. I'm sorry. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, next caller. Okay. Right, thanks. <laughs> thanks for calling. Okay. Next up on the line, we have Dave. How's it going this afternoon, Dave? Hey, how's it going, guys? All right, Dave. All right. All right. <laughs> hey, I, I had to call in about uh, Justice Scalia. Mm-hmm. And the supposedly obstructionist Republicans. You ever heard of uh, Justice Thomas? Unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately, yes. And he's a brother. Yeah, he's now, a brother. I, I don't, if care, you call I don't him care what you feel about his views, but let's not call the kettle black because, you know, to be honest. Let me, let me know, tell you what I feel Democrats, about his views, Dave. Let me tell you the what Democrats I feel about. invented right. They, right. They, they do it better than anybody that I know. Okay, but let me and let me tell you what I think about. Let, I'm gonna let you finish. Phone, which is uh, David, against the Constitution. Dave, and Dave. wait till a Republican gets in with his pen and his phone. I don't want to hear any crying. Okay. Okay, I'm not gonna cry, but uh, Dave, because that's all I hear. If it happens, it happens. You know, Dave, it's, it's, it's Dave, like, we're not crying. We're not crying. Every, everybody has this high moral ground. We all talk about the Republicans, but from what I can see. Making fun of somebody dying, right? Dave. Just because of their views, 
Come on. I'm not making fun of somebody dying. I'm just well, saying I'm not going to the funeral. Was, that's, that's why I I'm just saying I'm not going to the funeral. I kept hearing um, you say, uh, <laughs> well, I'm not saying I'm not. But, you know, come on. It was something there. Dave, Dave, burn out. some incense, man. Since, if, we think, since we think we're, you know, so much better than the Republicans. Dave, 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 there's plenty know? of people. There's plenty of people on conservative talk radio that love. Uh, the Clarence Thomas and they love the Scalitas of the world. They they love them. So we're we're not we're in the minority because um, Progressive Radio, uh, uh, the, the um what's that show? That comes, Rush Limbaugh has a top rated radio show in the country, and that's all they talk about is as uh, anti uh, minorities type stuff. It's coded language, so the average person don't understand it. But that's and they they just love Scalia. They love Thomas. They love those type of people. And, well, um, what, what does that tell you if, if if conservative radio is the number one in the country? Who who's it tells me that white people the what it tells me, Dave, is white people are, are are the majority population. They are seventy percent of the population, and black people are twelve percent, and then you have others. So that in that way, they feel like they're being superseded by by other peoples, and they feel like a lot, especially poor whites. They feel like, as if you listen to the clip, they feel like. Um, they're being leapfrogged over by people they, that are getting a free ride, which they're not. They're just getting I, I a chance. Know, dude, let me ask you a question. How, how many people do you know actually listen to conservative radio for more than two or three days? You need to listen to it for a couple months. I've listened to I used to call them, Dave. I used, I'm not I've talking about you, Tyrone. I know you. <laughs> I've argued with a man. I'm, on, ta I'm, Dave, ta I'm Dave, talking Dave, about people Dave, that have their Dave, opinions Dave. formed. By, Dave, by listening, Dave, by listening I, to Dave, three days of Dave, it, can don't I even Dave, what it's uh, about. Shut, close that, uh, okay. Dave. Yeah. I, I, Dave, I sit up there and argue with a guy on conservative radio about whether or not um, that guy got choked to death in New York, whether he was choking to death or not. And he said it was a uh, he said it was a um, a, um, a, a seatbelt maneuver. He said they weren't really choking him. And I told the guy, I said, look, man, I'm looking at him on my phone. He's choking him. The definition well, of choking, no, did, the definition of choking is the, is the removal of air. Oh. Right. He, he choked him to death. But the, the white no, person on that show, and I don't hate white people, the white person on that show didn't see that. He didn't well, see a problem with that. Well, well no. He said he should have been selling it, new I cigarettes. See, I, I see a problem with it. You know, <laughs> Apparently when, you don't. When, Okay. When, okay, when, Dave. When, okay, Dave. Uh, next caller, please. Okay, we do have the next caller. Thank you so much for the call. Um, next up, we have uh, Ernest. Uh, thank you so much for calling, Ernest. How's it going this afternoon? Yeah, Ronald Reagan uh, appointed Ronald Reagan appointed um, Justice Scalia. Right, that's correct, Ernest. That's correct. And, and, and if you look up Justice Scalia, the person that uh, helped him to get on that Supreme Court is John Bolton. Look mm. up John Bolton. John Bolton is the individual that fired the man that was going to have uh, a Saddam Hussein sign the paperwork so that the United States could come into Iraq and and, and uh, investigate all his uh, weapons. They fired him mm. because uh, uh, he was in charge of uh, the Non-Proliferation Treaty. Yeah. Right. It's, yep. uh, um, he was... Uh, WMD Commission. Well, he was... He, uh, he was the guy was from Brazil, hmm. Hmm. and that's what caused the war. That's and plus plus the fact black people don't realize, but during Iran Contra, after the 1968 uprising in the United States, the Republicans was clearing out uh, army bases because they were going to do the same thing to us that they did to the Japanese. They were planning on interning us. 
Okay, uh, uh, Ernest, we got another call. We get, uh, we uh, let me just I say this close. before I go. Yeah, go ahead. Let me just say this. I think this is important. Go ahead, go ahead, Ernest. You know the history of uh, uh, Reverend Al Sharpton? Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to touch that. Go ahead. Uh, uh, one of the things he did was he was a confidential informant, and he spied for the New York Police Department and... Uh, the FBI, because hmm. he got he got caught up early on in a sting. He didn't admit to anything, but they had him had him down. Uh, he was uh, talking to an FBI agent who was posing as a drug dealer. Hmm. So right, they, right, they, used, they they used him. Now, how, how is this man speaking for all these knowledgeable black people? Well, he seemed to be he seemed to be on top as, as we now speak, but. You, have you, can, day, you, can, okay. you can look it up. All you have to do is Google Reverend Al, uh, we will. Al we will. Thank you so much, Ernest. Thanks, Ernest. Okay, we are, Call uh, again. Out time. You always uh, have good things to say, but you run out of time. All right, next up we have Travis. How's it going, Travis? Good yeah, Travis. I just wanted to say quickly, why do people keep continuing to vote for the same people in these different, in, 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 in these different districts, and then they complain uh, years later why they're still in well, the district? Well, I can I ask you this, Travis. I don't vote for them. <laughs> but I'm but some people I'm okay, but people. what I what I would like to see, as I said before, is term limits. Because yeah, yeah there are some good politicians. Maybe they should oh, stay yeah, in. But but there's but most of them, most of them, Travis, most of them get co-opted by the system and they start selling us out. And that's what happens. They can stay in there too long and they get sold out. I mean, they get they get co-opted, and that's not good. So I think that to remove that 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 type of uh, collusion with the uh, moneyed people, the well-moneyed people who have a bigger voice than we do. Is that they have term limits? I mean, that's the only yeah, way we're going to satisfy this. That there has been no real legislation written by the city council or the mayor for community development, economic development, and running summer out of jobs. Um. Yeah, summer <laughs> jobs. Uh, jobs. Jobs. People saying down Winchester. And do you know that she's still wanting to veto the thirty million dollar youth development fund? Emma yep. Lady. Yeah, I'm aware of that. April the twenty seventh, twenty fifteen. Why would you do that? <laughs> well. <laughs> Your guess is good as mine, Travis. Um, and 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 I'm just we're just trying to make people aware of this kind of stuff's going on. I'm glad you called in about it. Yes, Thanks sir, for calling. Thank okay, we have one last caller, uh, Craig. How's it going, Craig? Hey, Tyrone, how you doing? I feel fantastic, buddy. How you doing? All right. Hey, I just want to let you know that uh, I listen to conservative talk radio because you got to pay attention to what they do on the other side of the. And bed. I do too. So that guy was definitely wrong. We 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 listen. You're right. You got to yeah, know what's and, going uh, on. I know up at that station over there in Pikesville, they run that all day long. They go from uh, liberal to conservative to Democrat to Republican. Mm -hmm. And in the late night, they go into the conspiracy theory. But if you study, them, yeah, you talk about coast to coast. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's show. good stuff coming out of there. Yeah, balance us out a little bit because uh, there's some discussions we need to be kind of attacking them on so that we don't be left out the loop because they're speaking code on that too. But other on that, I noticed that they all don't agree on the liberals and the, the, the conservatives versus the conspiracy theorists because when they try to get unified and try to raise the issue to them, Tea Party denied totally. Like if you say. <laughs> Uh, Rex 84 on Coast to Coast and they come back and tell, tell that to Tom Mark or Rush Limbaugh. They go, like, oh, we don't believe in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Coast to Coast will tell it like it is, though. That's the only thing yeah, on yeah. conservative talk radio that tell it like it is. Yeah, okay, yeah, uh, Craig, you have to close, buddy, because we're about to end the show. Oh, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. But feel right, free bye. to um, call back next week at, at Monday at yeah, 2 o'clock right. to the Call yeah. Tyrone Show and I thank everybody from tuning in and I thank y'all for the dialogue. It was excellent.
from start to go. It's definitely great. And make sure you follow us at Twitter, twitter.com slash call Tyrone show, SoundCloud call Tyrone show and Facebook call Tyrone show. Um, listen to our back episodes. Thanks a lot. Thank you, people. Well-